Between the Lines with Andrea Gilligan. This is News Talk. You're welcome along to News Talks Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan, where we'll be taking a closer look at some of the main stories and issues of interest. My thanks to everyone who got in contact regarding our last programme about how to get a mortgage and improving the mortgage sector in Ireland. You can still listen back to our podcast on newstalk.com or on iTunes. And as always, you can get in contact with us today by emailing between the lines at newstalk.com or on Twitter at myself at Andrea Gilligan. Well, coming up today, we'll be discussing the future of local media in Ireland and public service broadcasting. To discuss, we're joined in studio by our panel, Gareth Hart, Managing Director of Communications, consultancy company Hart Media, and also Independent TD and former Minister for Communications, Dennis Nocton. And my thanks to Fianna Fáil TD and Communications Spokesperson for the party, Timmy Dooley, who joins us on the line today as well. Can I just, Gareth, first of all, um, get you, I suppose, to explain, you've recently compiled a report for the IBI, the Irish Broadcasters uh, Institute, to to look at the, the broadcasting sector or the independent broadcasting sector in Ireland. Just outline for us how that came about, first of all. So the report is entitled The Future of Public Service Broadcasting on Independent Radio and the Protection of Journalism and the Impact It Has on the Democratic Process. So the independent broadcasters of Ireland have been lobbying for a number of years uh, around the issue of funding public service broadcasting on independent radio And this report was commissioned to talk to the radio uh, sector, talk to news editors, uh, radio bosses, the length and breadth of the country to find out exactly the issue around funding and where it's at at the moment. And the top line facts Mm. uh, that came through that you have radio stations who have now been forced to cut back on basic reporting functions such as court reporting, or sending a reporter to a local authority a meeting. Areas that are part of the democratic process, where local media have in the past been the watchdog uh, for communities. And if you have radio stations now being forced to reduce those functions, then that is ultimately going to have an impact on the democratic process. Over 70% of the Irish public listen to independent radio on a daily basis. And those radio stations are required to produce minimum of 20% news and current affairs every day. In fact, most stations produce in excess of 30%. And if you look at an organization like News Talk, which is predominantly speech, it's probably 80%. Mm. News Talk or Ocean FM, your former parish, Mm -hmm. or Midwest do not receive any funding for that public service remit. And just explain for people because I sometimes think art there's kind of a confusion out there among the public as to how all of this works. Just explain that funding model. Like if I decide tomorrow morning I want to set up, you know, Gilligan FM and we're going to have my own radio station, just explain that process, what it is that people have to go through to do that. Well, each independent radio station has a licence from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland and uh, with that license come specific rules around advertising uh, and around content, uh, and you have to adhere to those rules to ensure your license uh, continues. Uh, when it comes to news and current affairs, the requirement is 20% news and current affairs every day. So that is your news bulletin, that is your mid-morning talk show, that's your Keith Finnegan show, your Pat Kenny show. It's sport. It's all the live coverage you have from club GA matches in Donegal or in Cork. And it is a public service requirement under uh, the BEA guidelines. 
it is the biggest cost for a radio mm. station to staff news, current affairs. You need strong individuals. You need experienced journalists because the content you're dealing with can be issues around court cases, can be political issues. So you need experienced practitioners. And the thing that's coming through, Andre, uh, with stations at the moment is that, number one, they're finding it difficult to retain staff. So we have seen, it's not just in radio, we've seen across print, we have seen a number of high-profile, experienced journalists leaving the profession. Mm. But also, we are finding it difficult, and radio stations are finding it difficult, to recruit because you also have other digital platforms. 10, 15 years ago, a local radio station was only competing with the local newspaper, whereas now they're competing with lots of digital platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Can, can I ask you, just I suppose, we should say, you know, both of our other two panellists, both Dennis Nocton and Timmy Dooley, are both from catchments of the country where local media plays a vital role. And, and I know Shannon side, Northern Sound, only too well, haven't worked there as well, Dennis, previously. But I suppose, you know, irrespective of your role as a former communications minister, you understand the value of local media and I suppose the impact it can have in a catchment area. Yes, I think, look, anyone from, from any rural area appreciates the importance uh, of local radio and local media in general uh, because it's very much part of the local community in terms of the, the local papers and the local radio. People want to know what's happening uh, in their own community, in their own uh, area, and they can only get that through uh, local media. The other thing I think that, that is important, and when I spoke on this inside in the Dáil recently, I made the point that uh, during the uh, terrible weather that we had last winter, mm. both in terms of Storm Ophelia uh, and Storm Emma, uh, the only way that we could get uh, messages out to many members of the communities across rural Ireland was through the local radio stations. Remember, the electricity lines were down. Um, people were isolated with the Storm Emma and the snows. Mm. Uh, and the local radio station was the most important uh, uh, vehicle to actually get messages out to communities, what was happening in their area, where the ESB crews were, the likely time it was going to take for them to uh, be uh, repaired. And particularly for many, many older people, it was maybe the only form of communication they had because many of them are not tech savvy. They may not have had a mobile phone. The mobile phone mast may have been down telephone lines were down, electricity was down. So it, it is vital from, from that point of view in severe weather mm -hmm. conditions that you have it. But also in the era of, of fake news because, you know, social media now, literally uh, anyone can put up anything on it. Uh, there, can, there may not be any foundation uh, to it whatsoever. And people and young people now are being taught to check with reliable uh, sources like uh, national broadcasters like local radio stations, local papers, online um, news content to see is this accurate uh, in relation to the reporting regarding a local accident mm. or a road being closed or whatever the case may be. So more and more local radio station is becoming a vital aspect of public service uh, broadcasting because it is actually delivering a vital service which is paid purely through commercial revenue at the moment. And I think that that's the part that I think people find nearly the most, you know, 
shocking, if you like, or the unbelievable point about all of this is that people pay a licence fee, albeit not everybody with a television pays it. But for the vast majority that do, 87% of that fee goes to effectively really just one organisation in, in RTE and, and TG Cahar. And it would be deemed to be a really unfair system. It, it's not a level, level playing field. No, it isn't. And, and I think there needs to be an acknowledgement that local radio stations, commercial radio stations do have a public service remit that has become far more costly. There's huge pressure on advertising now. You know, look, I suppose uh, if you take it even five years ago, local business wanted to advertise uh, offers that they had in, in their own local shop. They would have gone to the local paper or the local radio station. Now they have uh, Facebook and many other avenues, Google, to to advertise that. So commercial uh, revenue that was traditionally going into the papers and radio stations is now going online. About over half mm. of, of the total spend on advertising in this country is now going online. So that is putting huge financial pressure on the operation of local papers, on the operation of local radio stations. And we do need local news content. We do need to be able to listen in to Midwest, Ocean FM, Shannonside, Midlands Radio 3, Galway Bay FM to find out what's happening in our local area yeah. in relation to our parishes and I think vast, or an emergency situation. Absolutely, and the vast majority of people are in agreement with that. I'm going to come to Timmy Dooley in, in, in just a moment um, because he had put forward, I suppose, proposals in, in this regard. But just specifically, uh, Dennis Nocton, on the, the, the licence fee, what's your take on how that should be divvied up now into the future? Or do you agree that the 87% go into the state broadcaster is a fair system? No, I think that there needs to be uh, a revenue taken out of that specifically ring-fenced for quality journalism. Uh, personally, Give us I a believe, rough indication. What, what sort of well, a percentage? It, 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 personally, I believe it, it shouldn't be just for, for the broadcasting sector. Uh, I think it should be for, for local media in general uh, and newspapers as well. Specifically, it should be targeted at young journalists. There is a cost in taking on young journalists, in training up young journalists. Uh, and I think that there should be funding ring fence for that. I think local news content uh, and reliable local news content will have to be paid okay, for in the so future. not just in the broadcasting sector. You're, you're yes. saying it should be in the independent sector, both print I, and broadcast. I think that in, in any democratic society, we need to support quality journalism. I think now more than ever, particularly with the online avenues that are there, we need credible quality journalism Would you be talking the in the region, Deputy, of Orion, would we be talking about a 50-50 split? I'm not going to get into the, the percentages of that at this stage. I think the first thing we need to do is to increase the cake. Uh, and we have evasion uh, in this country. About one in six uh, homes do not pay the TV licence uh, at the moment. That's a loss of a, between about 40 and 50 million euro. So those of us that pay our TV licence uh, are subsidising those that are not paying their TV licence by the tune of about 32 mm. euro uh, every year. Okay. On top of that, then, there's an, another broader issue, and we can come back to it if you want, but is in relation to, to opt-out channels, mainly coming from the UK. And in the post-Brexit scenario, there's about... €50 million Euro a year being spent on advertising for channels from the UK at very little cost, uh, broadcasting here in Ireland, but taking €50 okay. million Euro of advertising about, I'll talk cake. about some of those other outlets in a moment. I'm going to come to Gareth just on that idea of the licence fee. But does Timmy Dooley, uh, Fianna Fáil's communication spokesperson, if I can just bring you in at this point, Timmy, would you support Dennis Nocton's view that the, the licence fee should be divvied up in some format among the independent sector? Yeah, I mean... 
we brought forward proposals that looked at, first of all, increasing the size of the cake. And as Dennis and others have rightly identified, there's somewhere about 40 million lost to people who don't pay uh, the licence at the moment. And that's really creating a very considerable difficulty. RTE also have funding requirements, so it's not about taking from RTE and giving it to the independents. It's about taking in more money. Uh, and obviously the first place to start is to ensure those who are not paying uh, a licence fee um, are encouraged to do so or are expected to do so. Um, and I certainly would, would favour the idea uh, of a, a broadcasting charge that extends to every household. Because it, it, it's not enough to say just because you don't have a television that you're not consuming journalism uh, and content that's expensive to produce. Uh, you know, a lot of people now view content on iPhones, iPads, mm. various different laptops. So because the licence is somewhat... Uh, technology specific, it means that they're they're able to effectively evade uh, having a license. So if we can get that 40 to 50 million uh, into the mix, it, it provides a considerable amount of money to assist in two ways, to assist in, in funding the local uh, radio stations, which I think has to be done, uh, and provides additional funds uh, for RTE to deal with its uh, funding shortfall. We also looked at proposals which covers the area that Dennis has mentioned, which is the difficulties that, that many of the print sector is, is uh, in, encountering. And we believe uh, that a, a levy should be extended to digital advertising so, so that you, you, you ensure that the Googles and the Facebooks and Twitter uh, make a contribution towards the distortion in the market that they have created. Uh, it, it, it's well recognised that the digital platforms uh, are now hoovering up vast amounts of the commercial revenues that were there to support uh, the independent journalism that existed here to And it, it really is important mm. that we protect um, this independent journalism. It's not about the radio station, it's not about Newstalk or Claire FM or Kerry Radio. It's about the service they provide and it's about that independent, impartial, trusted uh, uh, and unbiased uh, journalism that, that we need to protect. Can, can I just ask that. you, Timmy, can I just ask you just to, just to explain, because you mentioned the idea of the broadcast levy, and just for people listening to us, that may not be fully au fait with how the, the broadcast industry works, but just explain that, that aspect of it. Well, at, at, at the moment, uh, you're talking about the fact that so many people are paying no licence fee, is that? Is that just, no, just with, sorry, with regards to the broadcasting levy. Oh yeah, a, a, a levy that we would talk about would be putting putting a levy on advertising revenues uh, that are you know submitted through the digital media platforms, whether it be Facebook, uh, Google, or um, Twitter, uh, and that 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 fund would be then established and used to support uh, the work of the local radio stations or in the independent radio sector generally. Um, our view was that that should be managed by uh, the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland as an independent entity so that it wasn't a, as such uh, managed by the uh, political process. Because I think if you're if you to ensure that journalism remains independent and not beholding uh, to the government of the day, you, you've got to ensure that it's administered in an independent fashion. And that's why I felt that you would look at extending the remit uh, of the BAI. And that could also be okay. uh, 
uh, charged with responsibility for doing uh, similar work with the um, print sector. I suppose the, the, the then Taoiseach and Kenny back in 2016 had committed to, to scrapping the current broadcasting levy on broadcasters and, and this hasn't happened. And uh, two years ago, I think, um, Dennis Nocton, when you were communications minister at the time, you drafted legislation to try and reduce that broadcasting levy by somewhere in the region of around of around 50%. Um, I suppose that was promised at all kind of stages of the legislative process, but it hasn't happened yet. What, what's the delay with that? Well, the delay with it uh, at the moment is that it's in drafting um, and um, it was uh, due to be published uh, at the back end of last year. I don't know what the current delay is with it, but that's what held it up. We had pre-legislative scrutiny, which took place in the uh, Joint Directors Committee that Temi was a member of uh, in the early part of the year. And on foot of that, that released the last blockage to the drafting of the legislation. Uh, I know that uh, when I left the department in October, uh, that legislation was was imminent uh, at that stage. My understanding, though, was it was due to be passed by 2018 in, in order to mean that, I suppose, the independent broadcast sector wouldn't be hit with high levels at 2019. So is it fair? There is an appetite in, in the, 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 in the doll to actually address this, is there? I think there, there's an appetite uh, in the doll to uh, try and progress uh, this particular uh, issue. Um, but uh, I know that there has been, been stumbling blocks in relation to it. The commitment was given uh, before the last general election, I think by Fine Gael uh, at the time. But I know that I had difficulty in getting this legislation uh, through the system, but we have What's got the it through the system. I think there there is a feeling right across the board in relation to regulation and the broadcasting levy is to fund the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, which is the regulator uh, of the broadcasting sector, uh, that uh, regulators should be self-financing, whether it's the financial regulator uh, or the broadcasting regulator Whatever regulation it is that the bank should pay for the regulation of their sector, the argument is that the broadcasting sector should pay for the regulation of their sector. Uh, But I felt that, look, there needs to be an acknowledgement here that local radio and commercial radio are providing a public service remit and this needs to be supported by government. And this was the vehicle that I was using to do that. Is there a delay among the civil servants in terms of trying to actually progress this? Is no, I, I have to say this? that, uh, look, there was a willingness among the civil servants that I was working with uh, to progress uh, this particular uh, piece of legislation. I am anxious to see this legislation enacted. I think it is important because I think this is just the first step, but it is a very significant step in that it is the first acknowledgement by government that commercial radio stations do have a public service remit and that needs to be paid for. It is not currently being paid for through the commercial revenues that they're receiving and it needs to be supported in some way in the interests of democracy, in the interests of providing people with a vital service that they need. Gareth Hart, you compiled this IBI report that we're actually discussing, I suppose, really effectively today. But just what's your view on this delay? Well, I think there is, there's a palpable frustration with the independent sector because they were promised on Ocean FM by the then Taoiseach and the Kenny that the levy would be scrapped. That was done ahead of an election, so every local radio station congratulated themselves that they had finally mm. got that commitment. That hasn't happened. Dennis, to be fair, pushed it on and the legislation 
was pushed to reduce it to 50%. And to me, not to be congratulating both of them, but to me, with the Fianna Fáil motion last month, mm-hmm. again has pushed it on. The concern now is that this has cross-party support. So if you're a TD from Cork or Wexford or Donegal, everyone stood up in the doll last month and talked about how important local independent radio is and why it needs to be supported and protected. There doesn't seem to be anybody against mm. Oh, that by all accounts, there's a great appetite However, for this. <laughs> the concern now is that the legislation will be pushed into the autumn and Dennis and uh, Timmy are already preparing for their canvases, but that there could potentially be a general election in the autumn and that this will be kicked into another dull term. And if that's the case, I think local radio stations will be extremely disappointed, to put it mildly, with the political willingness to deliver this. Okay, can I just bring you and Timmy Dooley on that point, just on that willingness to to progress this ahead of the, I suppose, ahead of the autumn period? Yeah, I mean, it's, the first thing that obviously needs to happen is to, that that levy, which has been promised for so long to be removed, that that's done without delay. But I think that's only a start. I, I think that could be done pretty much immediately. But we need to move beyond that because that's just the tip of the iceberg. Radio stations are under enormous pressure. They are letting journalists go. Uh, they will have to cut back on the amount of news and current affairs that they provide. Now, in cutting back that, you eat away at the heart of the journalism that's there and it's not something that you can recreate again young people doing their you know preparing to do their leaving now are going to be making decisions in the next number of months whether they go into journalism or not or, or you know young adults coming out of college going to make decisions what their careers will have for them there's yeah. nothing at the moment that would suggest to a person who has an interest in journalism that there's a future career in it um, and unless we address that without delay we're going to be left with with, a, with, with effectively a gap in that space Okay. And it's not until that happens we'll really come to realise the impact that, that that has or the potential that that negative has uh, on, on our democracy. OK, we're, we're just going to have to take a very short break just with regards to time at the moment. Uh, Timmy, stay with us. You're listening to News Talks Between the Lines programme. We'll be back with more from our panel in just a moment. Between the Lines on News Talk. You're welcome back to the second part of today's Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan, where we're discussing the future of local media and public service broadcasting. Our panel still with us today, the Managing Director of Communications Consultancy Company, Heart Media, Gareth Hart, Dennis Nocton, Independent TD and also former Minister for Communications. And on the line today, Fianna Fáil Deputy and Communications Spokesperson for the party, Timmy Dooley. My thanks to you all for staying with us. We asked the current Communications Minister, Richard Bruton, we've put a question to him to ask, is it still the policy you're in intention to scrap the levy on broadcasters as stated before and since the last election and if the state aid is seen as a possible obstacle are different options that are provided in other countries for instance being explored. I should say we have a statement back um, at this stage from the Minister for Communications. He says that drafting of amendments to the Broadcasting Act is at an advanced stage by Parliamentary Council. It's intended to publish the bill in the second quarter of this year after which it will go through the normal legislative process in both houses of the Oireachtas and specifically regarding the broad 
broadcasting levy. The government's proposing amendments to sections 33 and 123 of the Act. It's proposed to allocate funding to the BAI from TV licence receipts to meet its operating expenses. The current proposal is that this would provide up to a maximum of 50% of the annual cost of the BAI levy, thereby reducing the levy burden on broadcasters by up to 50%. And also the proposal envisages that the Minister will determine by order um, by, by order the percentage to be funded as well. Can I just get your reaction, I suppose, first of all, uh, Deputy Dennis Nocton, to that statement? Well, look, that, that is the, the factual situation as it stands at the moment. Um, that is a very similar uh, statement uh, as to the statement that would have been issued when I was a minister uh, <laughs> last September. And I think, look, all of our frustrations in relation to this, and my frustration as minister, uh, was mm. the progression of this through the drafting process. Uh, and, um, you know, I know that it had made significant progress uh, while I was there as minister. I think it is important that this legislation is published. The reason that I think this legislation, it's important that this legislation is published uh, is the point that Gareth made earlier on in relation to the report that, that he did by the independent, uh, in relation to the independent broadcasting sector. And that is that uh, radio stations at the moment are actually cutting back on reporting cutting back and reporting at the likes of council meetings. Mm. Now, that is vital for every single citizen in the county that they live in to find out what is actually going on at the council meeting. Last night, I, I was canvassing uh, in Monksland in South Roscommon uh, and an issue came up on the doorstep regarding the council who's building two houses uh, next door to uh, a family. The same thing happened in Bally League last weekend. And people need to know what the plans are, what the proposals are, and they can only find that out through the local media. They're not going to be able to listen to News Talk or RTE to find out what the proposal is by the local authority in the site beside where they're living. So for those people, having coverage of what's going on in their local county council is vitally important. And that is a vital public service that needs to be funded somehow and I believe should be funded through the TV licence or the replacement of the TV licence. Just, uh, Timmy Dooley, on hearing that statement from the Communications Minister, Richard Bruton, today, are you any more confident that progress will be made within the second quarter of this year as is stated? I'm not because, quite frankly, there is a, a willingness and a desire right across uh, all the parties within Leinster House to get this done. So it won't be delayed in, in committee. Um, there's a relatively straightforward amendment that can address uh, the removal of the levy without delay. That that doesn't take comprehensive uh, legislative drafting. That's straightforward. For sure, there's more work to be done on the overall funding of public service broadcasting. And I think we could look at that secondary. But I think in the first instance, the abolition or the reduction of the levy could be brought forward very short piece very short a very short amendment um, just explain and, and how I, I simple how simple is that uh, deputy Dooley? it's a very short bill it, 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 it's just to remove the levy uh, that's paid for or that is paid by the independent sector at the moment um, and I wouldn't have thought that that would have taken uh, a terribly long period of time uh, to be drafted um, and doesn't require another quarter or another half a year. Uh, if there was a willingness to do it, uh, and if it had the support uh, of the Department of Public Enterprise, which I suspect, and Dennis will have much more experience than I in this regard, uh, I suspect the the, the, um, the people over in, in the Department of Finance are probably uh, reticent about uh, moving on this, and, that, and perhaps that's where most of the issues arise. 
well, to be to quite honest, Dennis, to quite honest with you, Timmy, uh, it, it actually that hasn't been the hold up. It has gone through all of that process from both uh, a departmental point of view, Department of Finance, my own department, uh, or my what was my own department at the time, uh, cabinet and so forth. There was actually a technical issue in relation to the drafting of that particular provision uh, in relation to it that was raised by Parliamentary Council. That was resolved uh, before the summer. And that was, at at that point, my understanding was that was the last legal blockage uh, in relation to the drafting of it. So I think we need to get this legislation published and we need to get it enacted as quickly as possible. There are other issues in relation to the TV licence that Mm. I think need to be looked at. For example, Timmy and I uh, work in a building um, not too far away from the studio here in Leinster House where there are a thousand television uh, televisions uh, operating on a daily basis. We pay one TV licence to comply with the law. So I think there, the, what I, the point I'm making regarding the cake and how that cake can be enlarged needs to be looked at first. Uh, there is definitely issues in relation to evasion. There are definitely mm. issues with foreign channels broadcasting in here using uh, Irish uh, commercial advertising, which needs to be looked at, particularly in a post-Brexit scenario, and the situation where Leinster House can get away with paying uh, one TV licence for a thousand TVs uh, needs to be looked at okay, as well. I'm going to come to Gareth in a moment, but just, Timmy, because I, I know you have to leave us after the, ne- the next part of the programme today, but just just give us your view on the funding or a proposed change or amendment to the uh, the current structure, funding structure of the licensing fee. Yeah, well, for for, for, for for me, the license fee as it's currently constructed, you know, the vast majority of it goes to RTE or some to the Sound and Vision Fund. Very little of that money makes its way through to the independent sector, some to the independent uh, production sector. That needs to be entirely overhauled. We need additional funding into the, in, in, into the sector in the first instance, and that can be addressed through, in my view, uh, utilising the revenue commissioners to collect the licence fee that's spread across every home in the country rather than limited to those that have a television as defined in the Act. Because, as I said earlier, people are consuming uh, media that's expensive to, to, to create and produce uh, and they're effectively doing it for nothing. Uh, so, so that has to be paid for. That 40 to 50 million that's out there needs to be collected. And then that has to be divided up in a fair and equitable way that supports, in particular, um, quality public service journalism, regardless uh, of, of, of where it's broadcast or printed, I, to support the sector in the first instance. Because as I said, it's not until such time as you see an erosion of quality journalism that you have the potential to see a negative impact uh, on our, our the democratic institutions of our state because of the threat that exists within the digital mm-hmm. media sector for, for fake news, our unverified news, and the impact, the really negative impact that that can ultimately have on society. So it really is a matter now of bringing forward the legislation, collecting the money and spending it in, a, in an appropriate and a judicious way. I'm going to talk about how it'll be spent in a few moments. But Gareth, can I just get you, because I know you obviously have compiled and, and penned this report, but what's the UK experience in all of this? Like, how do other countries do it? Well, it's very interesting to look at the UK and look at it through the prism of Brexit. You know, an issue we're very familiar with mm. here and uh, consume a lot of news on on Brexit. In the UK, the independent sector has gone through a significant overhaul in the last number of years. And it has got to the position that local independent 
commercial radio in the UK is on its knees. And the British government in February published a report called the Cairn Cross Review, which looked at uh, the funding of local uh, journalism in the UK, and that's across print mm. and, and uh, radio. And it said, it's, it's, it's quoted as saying that the long-term sustainability of democracy is under threat. That was their conclusion. Two weeks after that report was published, uh, the big uh, radio group in the UK, Global Radio, took a commercial decision to reduce its regional output. So it has radio stations in Brighton, Exeter, Kent, that it would reduce the output on their, their local stations and pull it back to London. That's a commercial decision to protect their radio business. Now, how does that then work with Brexit? So if you look at uh, the Brexit coverage, we all saw lots of ads on digital media talking about the NHS funding or Turkey joining the EU uh, and thousands of Turks were going to arrive on the shores at Dover. All of it false. So there are rules in this radio station and in Claire FM or Tip FM around how much coverage you do on politics. Yeah. There are rules around fairness, transparency. There are rules around uh, how much money political parties can spend on political advertising. But you look at the disinformation that drove the Brexit debate, there are no rules. And that's the concern. That concern is, are we in Ireland going to wait until something similar happens here and that we would have our electoral laws breached by a technology platform to facilitate disinformation and political populism. And that's not too far away. Can, can I bring you in just, Timmy Julie? I know you're still on the line with us, but just about that concern about the, um, the, the potential for disinformation. Yeah, I mean, it's real. Uh, and we see it happened with Brexit. We've seen it happened in the US elections. And you see the capacity for monies from uh, outside the state to be used to support certain advertising. And it's not just the obvious advertising, it's support for um, what are referred to as blogs or statements by individuals that seek to uh, undermine the credibility of a political party or a particular movement and to do so for uh, international gain. Uh, it's well recognised that uh, the Russians uh, attempted to influence the outcome of the US presidential election. Now, of course, what has been a debate as to whether or not um, the president, the, the current president, was involved in that, and that was the subject of the Mueller report. Mm. But 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 it, it, it is accepted that the Russians did attempt to influence the outcome uh, of the election for whatever they believe to be in their interest, and that's something that's possible uh, w- with the digital uh, the, di- the digital platforms, mm. and that's why it's really important to ensure that quality mainstream journalism with a, a public service ethic that's trusted uh, and verified um, and not beholden to anybody uh, other than to the people that it serves, um, that that's protected and preserved. And, and, and that's a challenge to all of us. Um, and unfortunately, uh, by the time the public come to realise that it's an issue, it'll be too late because that that, journali- that journalistic ethic has the potential to, uh, to be eliminated if we don't manage to attract people back to journalism who would see journalism as a way of providing for themselves. It's a career 
which on which they can ra- ra- raise their family. And, and that's what I said. Young people looking around now would not see uh, a career in journalism journalism as being uh, a viable future mm-hmm. for them because of the decline uh, in mainstream journalism and the lack of opportunity in the newsrooms of. Uh, local stations and indeed local papers. We're going to talk about that lack of opportunity in just a few moments, but do stay with us. You're listening to News Talks Between the Lines programme. We'll be back with more from our panel in just a moment. Between the Lines on News Talk. You're welcome back to the final part of today's Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan, where we're discussing the future of local media and public service broadcasting. Our panel still with us today, the Managing Director of Communications Consultancy Company Heart Media, Gareth Hart, Dennis Nochton, who's an independent TD and former Minister for Communications, and my thanks previously to Timmy Dooley, Fianna Fáil Deputy and the party's communication spokesperson for joining us for the first part of today's programme. Gareth, can I just go back to some of the stats just that you mentioned at the very outset of the programme today from the IBI report that you compiled and the the level of the percentage I suppose that has been actually um, segregated or used in terms of current affairs and, and local media can we actually guarantee if there is a distribution of the licence fee to local stations and local media outlets across the country, how can we actually guarantee though that that money is going to go into the likes of the newsrooms and the current affairs departments? Well first of all the funding needs to happen because at the moment it doesn't exist. So to answer that in a roundabout way, Andrea, if you look at the next few weeks, this radio station is currently planning for local European elections. All the staff will be going on training courses. You'll be planning a schedule. You'll be working on extra content. Then you will be producing a marathon session over mm. two, maybe three days of election content. You might have to do it again in the autumn. And that could cost a radio station like this 100, 150,000 euro. It could cost a local station 50,000 euro. They do that because it's public service broadcasting. It's important to their audience. It's important to the community. But that, at the moment, is being funded out of an advertising mm. market that is broken. So 80% of the advertising market goes to Google and Facebook and the, and the digital giants. But when you're producing content here, you have rules, you have regulations, has balance, transparency, political parties have to have balance, Fianna Fáil are on, Fianna Gael have to be on the independent groups. The operation is transparent for the public. It isn't when it's on Facebook. So you've got to trust that when the money is made available, and the money needs to be made available, that the track record of independent sector is that the money will be used appropriately. And if you go to... Ocean FM, and I, I spoke to Niall Delaney in Ocean FM, and he looked me in the eye and said, Garrett, we cannot afford to send someone to a local council meeting. Mm. We cannot afford to send them to cover a court case because we need them back at base. And that should not be happening. But I suppose, would you be in favour that if it's a case that future funding is allocated to the independent sector, whether it be in the newspaper or the print or broadcast element, should there be some system whereby it has to be ring-fenced for the likes of the newsrooms so that so that it isn't, I suppose, the company shareholders, that it's not used to attract the kind of celebrity talent and presenters? Like, how can we guarantee that that is where it'll go? Yeah, and I think, look, the ABI proposals have been clear in that, that uh, the establishment of a fund for public service broadcasting, that it would be ring-fenced, that it wouldn't go on the bottom line, so it wouldn't be part of your overall biz- total business, that it actually would be ring-fenced 
for the production of news and current affairs and you would have to actually explicitly show that okay. and would be reviewed uh, so that it wouldn't be used uh, in another area of, of the business. So that the ABI have been that will be have been clear in, in, in their proposals. But I think like, the first thing here is, and, and Timmy was quite insightful in where the legislation is at and that it's a simple piece of legislation. Mm. If it's simple and we have a statement from the department today to say that the bill will be, is intended that the bill will be published in quarter two, after which it will go through the normal legislative process in both houses, that to me says it's next year and that to me says it's going to be post another general election and actually radio stations are probably now going to say that's not good enough. We've been promised this for a number of years, back 2016. So is there really the political will to get this over the line? I'm not too sure. Well, as you said yourself, Dennis Nocton, there is some uh, stumbling blocks, I suppose, in your in your own experience. But just give us your view on some of the points that are raised by Gareth. Yeah, look, Gareth has raised, raised a lot of points and I'll try and go, go through them. Uh, first of all, in relation to the question, which I very, think is a very important question, Andrea, that you asked regarding, well, look, if we give this money to the local radio stations, is it going to be spent uh, in producing uh, content and, and in the newsroom? Uh, and that's why wh- when I was minister, I made sure that this money will only be paid over uh, by the approved uh, by the minister. He will decide or she will decide on what percentage a reduction will be paid in the levy. So, yes, there will be a reduction in the first year. And if the independent radio sector uh, decide to pocket that money, then that will be uh, ramped up the next year. So they won't get the reduction the next year. So it's in the interests of the industry to actually commit to investing that money in local content if they want to see the reduction in the levy remain in place. And that's the carrot and mm. stick that needs to be there because at the end of the day, our job as politicians is to protect the public here and protect the information and content that's going to the public. The other key thing I think that's important here for listeners is we need to increase this cake. But we could tomorrow morning with the structural changes that are needed. We could actually reduce the TV licence to €100 Euro per home and increase the amount of money that's going to RTE, TG Car and the, the commercial and local radio stations because there is a lot slipping between the cracks at the moment. We're talking about a system that was designed for a different mm, century yeah. and, and a different era. And it didn't account for a different... We're all even, here today with even, phones even on the Even the desk, current so. database that is being used today is completely obsolete as to who is living in what homes uh, across the country. Using the air codes alone would make a significant improvement in relation to the collection uh, of the TV licence. Just... Uh, Another point, and Gareth touched on it in relation to this report uh, from the UK, Mm. uh, where they talk about the challenges in relation to democracy. We don't need to look to the UK. There was a very significant report uh, published by Martin Fraser. Martin Fraser is the secretary to the government. uh, And it was at the time of the uh, controversy regarding the strategic communications unit uh, in the department of the Taoiseach. And Martin Fraser produced a, a very detailed report. But in that report... Pretty much what uh, Gareth uh, said there in relation to the UK report regarding the issues uh, in relation to democracy, the issues of supporting uh, news content were specifically flagged. 
they were specifically flagged by the most senior civil servant uh, in the Irish government. So as far as government and the civil service structure is concerned, uh, there is a willingness there uh, and there's an acknowledgement that work needs to be done in this area. The bigger issue then is the issue of elections and the potential influence that is there. Now, you know, how do you police uh, and regulate that? I think it's very difficult. I think it's going to be nearly impossible uh, to regulate the internet. So I think the only way that you can police and enforce Mm. that is to support good quality news content. So yes, people may flick through Facebook uh, and they're seeing that the the local minister was uh, hit in a road traffic accident while out cycling his bike. The first thing that they would do automatically then is go to uh, one of the local uh, news outlets, whether it be the local radio station, the local paper or some of the national media outlets to confirm and see was that a prank or what did that actually Mm. happen? Um, And we're teaching children in school now to go to those reliable news content outlets to verify that what they read on Facebook or on Google is actually correct uh, and accurate. And that's probably going to be the biggest challenge the next generation has, is actually to verify the information and content uh, that they read. We're teaching them that tools. It is important that the state then supports quality journalism to ensure that that reliable content Mm. is there in the first place. Absolutely and it will certainly allow for further verification you know of facts and and stories as well and I think that would be be most welcome. Gareth I just want to go back to that point you mentioned a few moments ago and I suppose um, in particular with regards to the the communications minister's statement Richard Bruton there today like by all accounts here today there's a huge willingness to develop this and to push this forward but somewhere along the way there's there's some hole in the road somewhere like yeah, and I don't know, and and you know, if if, if the ABI uh, committee were here, you know that that palpable frustration that they've expressed at at recent events. You know, there is no more reports that can be published. Mm. There is no more arguments to be made. There is the cross party support for this. There just seems to be a delay at whatever level, whether it's civil servants, whether it's departmental. But the concern is we're in we're into an election cycle here in Ireland. There will be an election, the general election, either in the autumn or in the spring. And based on the the statement from the department, this legislation is unlikely to be. But we have it in black and white here today. Yeah, so. so I disagree. Uh, I disagree. And, and and the point I made earlier was that there is a willingness in Leinster House to see this legislation enacted on all sides. Uh, I think. The key bottleneck in this process uh, is the publication uh, of that legislation. Um, this legislation could be passed through the Dáil very, very quickly, the Dáil and Shannon, uh, if uh, the, the legislation itself is actually published. That's the bottleneck in the system. If we can get through that, this could actually be passed within a fortnight or three weeks before the summer recess uh, by the Dáil and Shannon. I don't see the passage of the legislation uh, through Parliament as being the hold-up. Because remember, there has been a lot of very detailed scrutiny of this. It is, uh, as Timmy said, it is in itself, the legislation itself, the way it's drafted, is very minimal. So the amount of text involved in it, the amount of opportunities to alter that text... Uh, through the passage through through legislation is very very limited. Uh, so 
the key stumbling block is to get this published. I think if it's published, it can actually pa- be passed and could be passed very quickly after that. We'll just give a final word to you, Gareth. Yeah, I th- on that look, today. the protection of journalism is core to any democracy. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about ex- examples, the length and breadth of the country where local media have cut back, not uh, suggesting they will, they've done it. That is having a negative impact on local democracy. And unless that funding uh, deficit is uh, arrived at and and dealt with urgently, Mm -hmm. then we're going to see that decline continue and continue. And that is not good for democracy. Lots to consider there today. My thanks to you both and indeed Timmy Dooley for joining us as well on the programme. Our panel, Gareth Hart from Hart Media Communications, Independent TD and former Communications Minister Dennis Nocton and previously on the line as well, Fianna Falls Communications Spokesperson Timmy Dooley. My thanks to the production team today, Elaine Power and Stephen Jordan. I'll be back again with Breakfast Briefing on Monday morning from 6. But for me, Andrea Gilligan, have a great day. Between the Lines on News Talk.